You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 101. Let's get to the show. And here we are again, starting back at number one, 101 that is. How are you doing? Oh, it is always an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to have you here for another episode of College Success Habits. I want to jump right in to what I experienced this week because it was a really amazing week. It was a double whammy week. I was able to turn 53 months sober two days before I turned 45 years old. Now, wait, 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 wait. Before you decide to hit stop and go to a podcast where somebody else is talking to you about cool stuff who might be more closer to your age, if you're a traditional student, that is, just take a chill pill for a second. And I know I just use like a 1994 reference of relaxing and taking a break. Take a chill pill. That's Don't be whack. We all have our own slang for our own generations, trust me. Uh, I'm sure there are people who have very little influence by teenagers nowadays who think the crap that they hear y'all say is ridiculous. And I'm like, you do know the stupid stuff we were saying in the 80s and 90s and early aughts, right? The point here is that as you start to have these monumental birthdays, and for many of you, 18, 21, 25, 30, those might be the ones that are coming upon for you. If you're an untraditional student and you've already been living life and you decided to go back to school, absolutely, I'll be finding you in that 35, 40, 45, 50, 65, 70 range, right? Like there are people going back to college who are like, oh, hell, I'm 87 years old. Let's learn something new, right? Whatever happened to let us here together. This is going to be a powerful episode because I'm going to bring to you some really cool stuff that I have been gathering about friendships and how you can really have them that last beyond measure. When I look back at what I was doing at 18 to 21, over drinking, over sexing the drugs and the rock and roll and the fraternity parties and everything, there's some friendships that I made back then that I honestly just didn't think I would keep. And I'm not even sure I cared. I honestly not even sure I cared. I mean, look, guys, back in the day, it was like if you didn't have a phone number, you didn't, you weren't able to keep a track with anyone, right? I remember moving and dropping out of Ball State University and moving to Orlando, and like having the cell, I had the payphone number in my fraternity house as my only contact for a majority of my fraternity brothers. Like, how ridiculous is that? Think about that: a payphone in a fraternity house has the only way to really get a hold of people that I cared about. Yeah, not even a phone booth, not even something cool like Superman could change in, like literally a stupid payphone in the downstairs hallway, right across the right across from where I used to live in the frat house. Sig up, go sig up to the bones. So, uh, <laughs> the fraternity did me no uh, did me no favors. A lot of those guys wanted me to study, and then there was also a lot of them who were loving the fact that I drank every night. So it was a toss up, fifty fifty. The point is, is nowadays with Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Reels and TikTok and everything, like you don't ever really have to lose contact with anyone unless you choose to. And that can be to your detriment because there's going to be things that you did in middle school and high school and college that let's, let's, let's be frank. Let's be honest here. You don't want following you. Like dumb stuff you did in middle school, right? You got caught with your pants down or you finally got facial hair or pubes or whatever it might be. Like this... You went through puberty with some of these people. Do you really want them talking about that on social media when you're in your 20s? 
and I apologize for anyone out there listening who can't believe I just said the word pubes, but hey, we're talking about maturation. We're talking about going through some pretty hardcore growing pains in life. Middle school, high school, college, we act the fool. We do things that we're not going to be proud of when we get older, but they made us happy in the moment. And barring any like cataclysmic injuries or jail time or, you know, doing things that really, you know, you look back on and you're like, okay, I literally was jeopardizing a lot of different people's safety in that moment. Anybody who's drinking and driving, please take note. There is Uber, there is Lyft, there are ways around that now. You are not in 2004 or 1997. You have ways to not drink and drive. I'll get off my soapbox because I don't want to be the old fuddy-duddy who starts preaching to you. But come on, let's use some common sense here. That's like a $20,000 problem that haunts you for the rest of your life. Just call a freaking Uber. So, barring anything that you know really put a lot of people in danger, for the most part, we can just do some really dumb stuff when we're inebriated or otherwise just being young and, and full of hormones and acting the fool. We don't need those pictures sprawled all over the place. I'm not going to get onto a whole diatribe soapbox preacher here about not posting stupid crap on social media. There's been enough blogs written by people closer to your age. You you know that it's stupid, right? I mean, come on. The potential employers, your family, your grandma, your nana, I don't know who might possibly see those. But I can assure you how hilarious you think they are in the moment. You will not think so much six months, a year, five years down the road when somebody slides down your news feed far enough back to start pulling up pictures that make you look like a dumbass. This is why people are getting tweets yanked out from 17 years ago and having cancel culture snuff them out. You don't want to do that to yourself. Be above the fray. And don't do it to your friends either. Like, don't be that person. Right, This is why Snapchat was invented. It was literally read an article on that. And some dude was like, I wanted to send my girlfriend nudes. And I wanted her to send me nudes. So I created an app that just went ahead and deleted the pictures so that we could do that. Awesome. Awesome. I can assure you, <laughs> when I was in the 90s, I can assure you I wish this technology existed. Now we are in 2021. And there are so many different ways for you to keep in touch with the people that you care about. And that, like, barring nude pictures and just being stupid, right? Like, there's genuinely going to be people you want to keep in your life. And when you start thinking about how to build these friendships up over years, right, there's some key things to be taking into account that will help you sustain a friendship over, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Has someone who just experienced 45, it would have been amazing, amazing to have had all of my college friends in the same room, you know, partying and having a good time. I don't drink anymore. And a lot of them don't either because they're at that age where they've got kids and stuff. And then some of them drink a little too much and they still got kids. The point is, it's not as easy to have everybody around as you get older, unless you are from a small town or even a big city and you go back there and you live around all of those people. You know, I mean, being somebody who lives in Los Angeles, I've got friends that are casual friends above anything else and they live all over the place. Asking somebody to drive what amounts to 32 miles, but it would take them two hours isn't exactly something I care to do. And honestly, I don't even really care all that much about most of the people in this city. They've been great for me while I've been here, but I sort of dissociated myself from a lot of them when I got sober. They aren't the people that I used to spend all that time with at Ball State or University of Florida or even in Orlando. 
And even in Orlando, five years there, and I really only kept two major friends that I keep in touch with. Yeah, there's a couple other acquaintances I'll talk to on the phone here or there, but really it's just two main dudes. Uh, Ball State, there's probably about five guys on a texting thread that I keep in touch with every single day. University of Florida, you know, I text them less often. I wish we had a group text. But the point is, is a lot of them were about seven years younger. And so they're still in that part where they've got like three kids running around the house. And that's your future life if you choose it to be. So how do you maintain friends over the long haul? I've got four quick things we're going to discuss here so that you can understand how you can better be a friend to somebody because it's important. In long term, the opposite of isolation is connection. And you want to find yourself connected even when you move around, change cities, and you aren't near your friends. Even when you're near, those are actually more opportunities to piss them off and make them not want to be your friend, right? And they'll piss you off and make you not want to be your friend. Like I've got these acquaintances who just decided that because of something that happened that was not even between the two of them, they were all of a sudden going to hate each other. People who've been friends for seven years, all of a sudden, like, F you, F you, block you on Facebook, block you on Instagram. And I'm like, you guys are 38. Seriously? This is how you're behaving. So let's dive right into this because I want this to be a quick hit episode because I want you to be able to turn back to it. And I'm a little slap happy. I've been working for uh, 10.49 p.m. here on a Wednesday. I've been working since about 6 a.m., so nonstop. It's, uh, I took the day off yesterday from my birthday, and now I feel a little bit behind today. So let's crack a lack and get to it. Let's talk about how empathy will play a part in how you build friendships. Not everyone wants advice, nor do they want your answers. They want you to empathize with what's going on in their life. And empathy comes from stepping into their shoes, from into their point of view, and just understanding what of their six human needs are in jeopardy at the moment that they're telling you what they're telling you. Now, if you want more information on the six human needs, you can go to Tony Robbins and Google. Go to Google, type in Tony Robbins, six human needs. You'll get all the info you need. But it comes down to, um, it comes down to certainty, variety, love, and con- love and uh, con- love and contribution, significance, personal growth. And these are areas that you really want to be able to empathize with other people when they come to you with issues. It's really insane when you think about it. You've got these six human needs, certainty, variety, love and significance, connection, growth, and contribution. And the need ones are certainty, safety, stability, predictability in our lives, right? Like we want certainty. We want to know we go to our house and it's there. We also want variety. We want to be able to go out and have lots of cool, interesting dinners. We want significance in people's lives. We want that love and connection. Connection is, uh, love and connection are one of them. Let's not get those messed up, okay? And then you want personal growth and then you want contribution. The need ones are certainty, variety, significance, and connection. And then when you start to get next level, that's when you can focus on growth and contribution. It's really hard to have growth and contribution in your life when you're still struggling to have certainty of like where your bills are getting paid and you know your home life is astray. Um, if you don't have variety and your life starts to feel mundane and boring, this is how divorces occur. When you don't feel like you have significance in people's lives, you have isolation. When you're not connected with other people, you feel like you're alone, you're lonely, you get depressed. It's really hard 
hard to focus on personal growth and contribution whenever you're still holding on by the skin of your teeth. Often when friends come to you with issues, it's going to be when certainty, variety, significance, or connection are being shaken in their lives. And to have empathy doesn't mean that you have to have ever experienced what it is they're going through. It just means that you understand what it's like to have your variety, your certainty, your significance, or your connection shaken. I don't need to have known what it's like to be a Syrian refugee stuck on the beaches of northern Africa trying to get to the shores of Greece to understand what it's like to have my certainty of my home life shaken at its core. I've had that happen. Now, if I had it happen at the level they have, no. But I have had my certainty of where am I going to live shaken. And because of that, I can empathize in my manner to what they're going through. Again, I am not trying to compare me being drunk and sleeping in my car to somebody getting their house blown up by an insurgency and then having to run across the desert to get to the shore of Africa trying to get to Greece. Let's pump the brakes and let's make sure you don't cancel culture me. What I am saying is that sleeping in my car and being a drunk loser uh, caused me to have no certainty about where I was going to be sleeping the next night. And that's what those Syrian refugees have gone through. I can empathize with not knowing where you're going to sleep at night. And when a friend comes to you, you don't need to have gone through the situation they're going through. You need only know where in your life that your certainty, variety, connection, or contribution has a uh, connection or uh, significance has been shaken. Okay. After that five minutes, I talked really fast. I'm super hyped, but I want you to get that through your head whenever you start to question whether you can empathize with someone who's had something happen like an assault, abuse, or a major trauma. And you're like, well, I don't know what that's like. You, you do. You do in your own way. You have had something that's shaken you. You've had some level of abuse. You've had some level of feeling disrespected. You've had some level of being hurt. It's not like you have to have gone through what they've gone through, but you want to be able to empathize and you need only connect dot to these six human needs. That's why I went into that whole six human needs thing, because I want you to be able to empathize. When you empathize with other humans, you can bond with them because they feel that you get them, that, that you, that you're hearing them, that you see them. And when you are a friend of someone and you expect to be able to do this for a long time. And there's, you know, my whether it be my fraternity brothers I'm texting every day, who I've known since I was 18. Um, there's a couple girls who are friends who came out of that, who I'm best friends with. I've known them for 27 years. Trust me, I was not always the coolest dude to them. In fact, I was quite dickish when I was younger. And they stuck by me realizing that I had a good soul. There was a good part of me that just was trying to figure myself out. They had empathy for my pain. They didn't cast me to the wayside. And you are going to have those opportunities where you can say, is this moment, is this argument going to define our relationship and destroy it? Or are we going to work through it? And are we going to figure this out? I've come up with eight simple questions that will absolutely help you with any kind of conflict, conflict resolution. And I'll be releasing that out into the world uh, sometime in July, and you guys will be the first ones to know about it once it's done. I'll set up a link, and I'll make sure that you can get your hands on it. This is the Conflict Resolution Guide of all Conflict Resolution Guides. Any fight you're having with someone, if you follow these eight simple questions and you really connect with them, you will resolve it. You might still decide not to be friends with them, but at least you won't leave angry. 
So when someone is hurting, they do not always want the solution, male or female. When you have empathy with someone, not everyone wants advice. They don't want your answers. They do not need your solutions. All right, so this is number one. When someone is hurting, they do not always want the solution, male or female. It doesn't matter. It does tend that males want to give female solutions like we're the saviors or we have to be the hero. That's disempowering. Go back and listen to the empowerment, disempowerment dynamic. Right? We're not looking for victim, villain, hero here. We're looking for creator, coach, challenger. So just sit there and listen to them. Let them vent it out. They might have already thought of you the solution, but don't act like you're you know, old wise man tree trying to give everybody your advice. Let them vent. Just because they're hurting doesn't mean they want your solution. Number two, if they are in the middle of the pain, let the person get through their emotions. Regardless of if the situation is their fault or not, be present with them and just let them vent out their emotions. Until the emotions are fully vented out, until they're fully released, the healing the emotional groundedness that it takes to work through a problem and actually see it for what it is, a solution opportunity, will be clouded. You have to release the emotions to fully step into the solution opportunity mode. I know you might think it's the other way. Oh, I shouldn't let them spiral into it all. You're not letting them spiral when all you're letting them do is vent. Right, holding them back from that venting actually can create the spiral because now they'll just be doing it all in their head. And inside the head is the worst place to be working out so for solutions. Get it out of the head, get it out into the real world so it can actually be tangible and worked upon. Whether it's by themselves or with you or with somebody different, either way, let them vent it out. This is how you can really have a friend for a long time. Let them know you're the person they can vent to. Now, if this is the 47th time they've bitched about the same thing, okay, by this point, if they haven't started figuring out, maybe they're just utilizing you as the, as the person who can just listen to them ramble on and ramble on and ramble on. I mean, at that point, they are definitely spiraling in their story. If this is the first or second, even the third time, Right Now, if they're not starting to look for solution opportunities by the second and the third time, now they're just bitching to bitch. And you might want to step in and say, okay, look, are you going to actually do anything about this? Do you want to discuss any kind of tips, tricks, hacks, or advice that could help you? Or do you just want to complain? And then if they just want to complain, you might have to set a boundary. And that whole boundary setting thing is another episode we'll do in the future. Number three, minds tend to want to fix the problem when emotional support is what is truly needed at the moment. The person not experiencing the emotion will tend to want to fix the problem because perhaps you're uncomfortable with the emotion being presented to you and you're not emotional. This isn't your issue. Somebody comes with emotions, they're having the emotions in front of you. And unless you're one of these selfish empath type of people who thinks that it actually means more when you take on the other person's emotions, which it does not, it's selfish. It is selfish when you take on somebody else's emotions. Even when, like when you start crying with them and now all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to make, to make you cry. Are you okay? Are you okay? And they're the one going through the emotional upheaval. And now all of a sudden they're comforting you. Yes, stepped across the line. Don't take that shot. Sit back, chill out, let them release their emotions. You can empathize with them. You can be a support. 
but you don't have to match their emotions. You can mirror and match their body language. You can mirror and match their posture, but you do not have to match their emotions. I mean, if they're sobbing in front of you, you don't want to be laughing, right? So, you know, have a bit of remorsefulness with you, like take on what it would feel like to be in their shoes going through this at the time, but you do not have to take on their emotions. And last but not least, take a moment to analyze the feeling you are feeling instead of going straight to the solution side of your brain. When you go straight to the solution side of your brain, when someone else is showing you emotion and they're asking you for any kind of support, you will tend, and this has been, studies have been done, and most of them by me, and I've got statistical proof that I will never publish that can prove that when you start to overanalyze and go into the rational thinking part of your brain, when someone is showing you emotions, it tends to be because you are uncomfortable with the emotions that are being presented to you. What are you feeling when someone else is crying in front of you? What are you feeling when someone else is getting angry in front of you? Especially when it's nothing to do with you. Oh my God, I'm so mad at, my, at our mutual friend. And then they get angry and they cry. Just let them vent it out. And then ask the simple question, what do you think you can do to solve this problem? And that puts the seat of personal responsibility back in their control. What do you think you can do to solve this problem? Every, if you step into these moments expecting that somebody else has to do something in order for you to feel better, every time that happens, you are releasing your own power to make the changes you want in your life and putting it into somebody else's hands. And I'm sorry, that doesn't work. Nobody cares about you as much as you will. So work harder. Have empathy by understanding what of the six human needs, which one of those is being jeopardized in that moment that friend is sharing that with you. When someone is hurting, they don't always want your solution. If they are in the middle of the pain, let them vent it out. The mind tends to want to fix problems when emotional support is what most people need. And whenever you feel like you want to start to fix the problem, ask yourself, what are you feeling from what somebody else is showing you? And why are you trying to go straight to the solution rather than just sitting in that feeling that that person's sharing with you and being supportive? If you can master these techniques, you will have friends for the rest of your life. Because it's easy to know who your friends are whenever it's good times, but you really learn who your friends are when it's the bad times. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow, as always, as always, it is an honor and privilege to be here. I am putting on a five-day challenge with two of my most ex- uh, beloved peers of neuro-linguistic programming. If you would like to be a part of that, jump over to my Instagram page. I have set up a link in my bio link. Click on the winning formula, the five-day challenge that creates results. Please join us at the winning formula. It'll show up in your inbox every single day next week, Monday through Friday. Go check it out. If you are listening to this podcast and it is a long time after, we are probably doing it again with new or better amazing stuff. Or it's the same amazing stuff it's always been and it's still bringing change into people's lives. So if you would like to be a part of the five-day challenge called The Winning Formula, regardless of when you are listening to this, go over to at Jesse Mogul on Instagram, check out my bio link and see what coaching programs I have to offer this week, this month, this year. For now, if you're listening to this and you're caught up, the five-day challenge called The Winning Formula opens next Monday. Yes, that is June 21st. 
2021. Be a part of the change. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's it, my friends. I will see you next week. Bye-bye.